Rockstar is combating driving physics glitches like brake boosting and curb boosting in newer vehicles. So I watched a video from Bruffy yesterday that was recommended to me by one of my viewers. So for those who don't know, Bruffy is like, you know, the, the, the big shot who knows everything there is to know about all the cars in the game. Big in the racing community for GTA 5. More knowledge than I could ever hope to have about how vehicles work in the game. And so he's like, apparently Rockstar has developed this kind of flag with, uh, with the cars that removes the effects of brake boosting and curb boosting and stuff. Like all the weird physics quirks that exist with cars to make them go faster over particular bumps. They haven't added this to old vehicles yet, and certainly because we, we speed run on patch 1.27, it wouldn't affect us. But uh, it's possible they could use this in GTA 6, so these kind of weird boosting increases won't exist in that game. Less likely, but also kind of possible, is they could add this to the expanded enhanced version of GTA 5. I like adding it to all vehicles. None of that is certain though, but Bruffy says they do seem to be adding this flag to newer vehicles that they release which is interesting. It's gonna be really interesting though, if after Expand and Enhance is released, like whether patch 1.27 still works, whether the 1.27 project works at all. I hope it does. Cause currently uh, project 1.27 is basically just a thing to, while checking that you still have the game, it uh, bypasses the issues that social club causes. Like it isn't actually changing the game in any meaningful way. Because obviously with most games that exist, when it comes out, that's the game. It's very rare that updates to the online version of a game changes the single player version. That's not really fair, you know? Honestly, I can't even think of another example where a company's continued upgrading to an online game impacts the single player version of that game and makes so you can't work on old, uh, older patches. It, it, it's, it's nonsense, right? Um, as much as we'd rather just be able to play on 1.27 and not be bothered, obviously measures had to be put in place. So Rockstar's continued changes to online didn't affect us. As I say, given that they're going to be separating online and single player, it's just going to be interesting to see whether the mechanisms, whether the mechanisms we're, we're using to be on an earlier patch will still work. It would be interesting if we literally cannot access the earlier patch anymore, which would require the leaderboards to be retired and we'd all be forced to play on some newer version of the game in the expanded and enhanced version. Probably worst case scenario, but you know. My favorite thing to do in gaming. Why did I want this to be a no hit run? Because I like, I like a challenge. My favorite series is Dark Souls, guys. I like nothing more than to go into something as an underdog or even completely unprepared and just to hit at it until I get so good that I can beat it. As, as I've said before, there's a way to verse Dancer in Dark Souls 3 earlier than you should be able to. And I spent like three days, like six or seven hours a day, just versing Dancer over and over and over again, massively underleveled, poking it for like no damage until I beat it. I know that may seem not like, it may seem like it's not a huge feat because you know, people beat the game with soul level one, but I was not an experienced souls veteran at that point. I was like, is this, the, is this the hardest thing you can do? Then that's what I want to do. These days, given that uh, I have to be somewhat entertaining and stuff, like I I don't just seek out the hardest challenge on, on anything I'm doing anymore, because if I get stuck on something for hours, that won't be entertaining for you guys, but that is my favorite thing to do in gaming. Finding some challenge that seems insurmountable and finding a way to surmount it. 
whether that be by finding a cool strategy or just improving until uh, it becomes a doable task. Do I procrastinate? Have you ever dealt with procrastination? Assuredly, when I was younger, I would not do things that I was meant to do in order to play World of Warcraft. You have to think back very far for that, though. Certainly, when in school, I would not do an assessment or something and leave it to the last minute or whatever. Um, but that is not common for me. When I was in uni, uh, I made sure to partition my time correctly and uh, give myself the best chance of having everything get in on time and, uh, you know, I'd make sure to work on everything every day. And what I do now, I love so much that I dedicate all my time to it, you know. If I don't want to do one thing that I need to do, then I'll do another thing that I need to do, you know. And if I'm truly, completely sick of doing anything for my work, I will clean my house or do... Uh, the stuff that I need, you know, around the house that, um, that I don't do as much that I should, you know. There's always something I need to clean, something I need to do, something I can tidy. And that's just kind of the person I am these days. The only time I feel satisfaction is when I'm, uh, achieving goals, pursuing some ends. I don't like sitting around just watching movies and shit. Most of the series I watch and shows I watch, I do in between working, which is maybe a little bit inefficient sometimes. But uh, I prefer it. So, like, I will, I will work on something until uh, I, I, I just can't deal with it anymore, and then I will, like, click off to another tab and watch something for five minutes or something at two times speed, and then get back to work. I suppose, thankfully, I'm not one of those people who, you know, will just get like five videos in and go, "Oh shit, I was meant to be doing work, wasn't I?" I'm, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'll just do the five minutes and get back to it, you know. Like, just sometimes when working, I need to get my eyes off what I'm doing, you know. With the truly hard tasks, I'll be, I'll be like, look, I'll go through five minutes of footage or ten minutes of footage or whatever, and then I'll turn off. So, so like, you know, I'll limit the amount of work that I do. And I just go, okay, I get, to, I get to this threshold, then I can take a break. This threshold, then take a break, you know. It makes tasks more manageable when you cut them into smaller pieces. It isn't, oh, man, I've got two hours more work to do. It's like, I've got ten minutes until I can take a break, you know. As I say, it's... Very easy to stay committed to a task if you actually want to complete the task. Would I consider myself a workaholic? Yes. My work-life balance is non-existent. That doesn't sound great. Yeah, it's just what I'm comfortable with now. Moving out of my comfort zone is uh, tough. I say I've, I've, I've moved into online dating now and I'm, I'm trying to find someone to go out on dates with and stuff, but it's just, it's hard going. It's interesting that I can go work every day entertaining thousands of people. I can have a significant portion of my content be just me speaking and it be loved by tens of thousands of people. And I still can't find someone who wants to engage me with the conversation. Never have I felt more worthless than, uh, than I felt trying to do online dating. Are you confident you could find a woman who supports and suits your current lifestyle? I mean, that's the goal, but skeptical. Girls want bad boys, you're gonna stop doing bad boys. That's funny. As I said, the, the dream is, of course, to find another streamer. Similar lifestyle. Although, you, you guys gotta keep in mind that even amongst streamers and content creators, my life is fairly weird. Even the most successful content creators don't dedicate themselves this much to what they do. Most people have something else going on. Would I want to stream with a girlfriend? Would I stream with my future girlfriend? Um, I guess that'd be up to her, but I mean, in... in in a way, the people who keep their relationships largely separate from their stream, I think it's the best move you can make. 
Because you never know how a random person's going to respond to that all that kind of attention. And if the relationship goes poorly, it can then negatively impact your stream. People's perception of you, because they can like the person and, and da da da, then blame games come out and stuff. And it's it just, it's just a mess. Like, I would rather meet someone, like if, unless they are themselves a streamer, that's a little bit different. But meeting a person who just respects what I do and likes what I do, but is largely unaware of who I am is kind of the goal at the moment. Meeting someone who's like, very, like, they, they know all my content. Like, they know me far better than I know them. Because obviously I've communicated a lot about myself in my Ramble series and stuff. I don't know how I deal with that. You know? You want your girlfriend to like you and respect what you do? Maybe you need to lower your standards. <laughs> Would I want to make my own mod for GTA 5? Ever thought of making my own mod for what purpose? I greatly respect what Doug Doug does with his, uh, making of his own stuff, this. I'd be surprised to hear that he learned coding specifically for YouTube. I don't know Doug Doug's history. I, I assume that he coded and became a YouTuber and it just happened to be helpful. Like, I'm not gonna learn coding to help with YouTube videos, you know? He was a software developer for your stream. He's exactly, yeah. He was a programmer for EA? Man. Microplastics and reduction in fertility. Hearing about, like, so, someone mentioned on yesterday's stream about, um, the reduction in, uh, fertility rates. Because, uh, like, so yesterday we were talking about the reduction in fertility rates, and uh, I, I already knew that males had become half as fertile as they were, um, since World War II. I didn't realize it was as bad as the article seemed to make it out to be. And there does seem to be a consensus on what's causing it. It's this form of chemical, um something inhibitor or something that does exist in plastics, so uh, microplastics and stuff uh, that gets into our food and stuff likely being uh, some cause to it. I mean, like, fuck the turtles, okay? But the concept of humans just becoming infertile because we refuse to change uh, how much plastic we use and shit, that doesn't sound very good. There is this sort of infantile mindset that exists where it's like, Oh man, there's never any negative consequence for anything, okay? It's just everything is fucking perfect. Now the climate can't be going bad, you know, shoving chemicals in the water, that can't do any bad. Uh, pumping uh, pollutants into the atmosphere, that can't be doing bad. And I don't have this viewpoint, right? Everything has downside and ups downsides and upsides, and it's, uh, you need to be conscious of, of, of what's going on. I, I don't like the projections of the future in regards to, uh, uh, the forms of consumption and, and, and what we're creating right now, I, 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 it scares me. Were the upsides of dumping toxic waste into the ocean, it's cheap and effective? As in it's far, it's far cheaper and, and those, those savings can be passed on to the consumer. Especially if the consumers of that product aren't those who are using uh, that ocean or whatever. And certainly the ramifications of such dumping can occur, you know, decades down the line when potentially those who are buying the products aren't going to be affected by it because they're going to be dead. As in, everything has upsides and downsides. It's just what you care about, you know? Like, it doesn't matter how terrible the thing is, there is going to be some upside to someone. It is usually the case is that the upsides are nowhere near worth the downsides. Will I play any Nintendo games on stream? When I'm done with Oko, will I play some Nintendo Switch exclusives on stream, like Zelda or Mario? Um, my brand isn't Nintendo games. You know, you can see the handful of Nintendo games that I've already played. If you 
if you go to my Diva Classics playlist, there's I play like Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine. But generally when I pick another game to play, I pick games that are Rockstar games or GTA clones or whatever. Because I enjoy them and people are more likely to want to watch them. I've played the Switch on stream before. I played Ring Fit. Aren't there like better versions of Switch out a Switch out now? Or are they they're bringing out a better version of the Switch design? Feeling shackled by GTA 5 no damage. When will the next episode of Pacifist come out? I'm so behind on everything. And the main reason is just because of this series. Under normal circumstances, I would have taken a day off by now and just uh, caught up on other stuff. Like my rambles are so far behind and it's because I've made a bunch of other videos that aren't normally a part of my roster of content. The Mood Heart videos, the, the collab with Murfish and stuff, and it's just a... Uh, Normally, I would have thrown a few few days at finishing Facts and Glitches, but I, I haven't been able to do that either because I just want to finish this series so badly. Like, I feel so shackled by this series, guys. I really do. I enjoy it, but it's just the knowledge that is keeping me from doing so many other things is becoming frustrating, you know? Then play something else? No. I will complete this. People don't seem to understand that something being tedious or having a negative aspect doesn't mean that the positive aspects of it or the end result of what you're doing isn't doesn't still make it worth doing, you know? Like, if you complain about the traffic going somewhere, the response isn't, well, then don't go. Because obviously, if the person's dealing with the traffic, then they consider the traffic to be worth whatever they're doing, wherever they're going, you know? It definitely isn't worth it. It totally is. Do I think I'll ever play RP with Pelican? If I finish this series, so many things will be done. So many. The death of my uncle. So I can't do a run of this tomorrow anyway, because I've got my uncle's funeral. Yeah, it's alright guys, I um, hadn't seen him in a long time. I talked about it before, it's just uh, the memory of my uncle from uh, my childhood, which is when I mainly saw him. He was such a strong guy, like one of the strongest uh, deep voice kind of, you know, tall as a tree, powerful as a rock kind of dude. And uh, seeing him, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, um, in hospital, um, he was standing, it's not like he was in, in a hospital bed or whatever, but he was, ah, uh, oh man, he looked so withered and frail, and it was just, ah, uh, it was such a huge contrast. I am sure, oddly as this might sound, uh, as an individual, he, I'm, I'm sure he much would have preferred going out in his prime or something. Because he was, he was, uh, worked for the, the, um, Marines, you know. I'm not Marines, I'm, uh, Navy, Navy. But as I say, I hadn't seen him in, uh, I may, may have seen him like once in the last 10 years or something, so it's not, it doesn't affect me heaps. It was, of course, my father's brother. My father was certainly affected. And my dad's taking it. Uh, from what I talked to him, he was certainly sad, but it was like, um, as I said, like, uh, he was having a rough time of it. Like, he, he didn't gracefully go into old age. So it was like, you know, if it wasn't now, it was going to be a year from now. And uh, every passing day was just getting a little bit worse. So whatever life he remaining years he could have led um they weren't going to be wonderful years so you can look at it as a bit of a relief given the situation he was in but at the same time like you know life is in general <laughs> almost always is preferable to death you know what i'm saying sorry for that downer little bit of conversation there chat planned obsolescence for how long have i had these headphones these this particular pair like two weeks this type of headset like Five years. I just buy endless additional pairs. Do they break easily? I don't know about easily. It's more that the cable can get tangled and swirly and stuff. And um, 
I use them like a bajillion hours a day, chucking them around and whatnot. Uh, they cost like 15 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, while having amazing sound quality. So it's like, the sound is great, but the build quality is in, you know. You're paying for the design as opposed to uh, longevity. Like certainly they could spend, I don't know, like an additional dollar or something to improve the cable. But then people would have to replace them less, you know, and they get less sales. There was a great video by, was it Veritasium? He re released it recently, talking about how, in it was it because the the years he mentions uh, basically it talks about the history of the light bulb, and how those who sold light bulbs were increasingly making better and better light bulbs, until they realized that because the light bulbs were becoming so good, that people were buying them less and less, and it was cu cutting into their sales. So all the light bulb manufacturers came together and they made a cabal kind of thing they made a pact or whatever they they um they said look none of us are gonna sell light bulbs that last beyond this particular point and so they would all submit their light bulbs to a independent an analysis that they all set up to make sure no one was cheating and making light bulbs that uh that were beating the competitors by too great a degree or whatever uh, so that they could all profit by selling more and more light bulbs it's an example of planned obsolescence it's not like, you know, they're, they're putting something in the device, like, oh, on this exact date, it's going to fail. What it is, is that companies will build things with particular materials and whatnot that will call, that, that, that have a certain sh shelf life. So they could use this material, which, you know, might cost them a cent more, maybe it'll cost them nothing, it cost them less. But then you'll keep your, your products for an additional year, and so it's an additional year that you're not buying a, a new product. So like these these light bulb guys uh, will get their engineers to go, okay, so what materials can you use so the light bulb doesn't last too long but still functions and stuff and and so then you can you can plot the the history of how long light bulbs lasted before and after the, the these meetings took place and the, and the longevity of light bulbs just continue to go down. There's a lot of laws being passed um, to attempt to prevent companies from uh, doing this kind of garbage. Like forcing um, companies to make it so their, their products can be prepared, for example. Because remember, while capitalism inspires innovation, the innovation that it often inspires is not the kind of stuff that you want. It's how to, inc it's how to get the most profit po possible, not how to create the best products at all times. Because often the best product is not the one that gets you the most profit. Often innovation doesn't go just into making a better product. It goes into how to best manipulate your consumer to accept less or to buy more that they don't need. The profit motive can inspire wonderful, wonderful things, but also terrible, terrible things. Like most things in life, everything has upsides and downsides. If I don't do it, my competitors will. Sometimes I feel like any business bigger than a family business is always borderline scummy or unethical. Do you agree? Yeah, I think I do agree. Like, there's just this certain level of detachment once your company gets really, really large. It's like, it's not, it's not my responsibility, it's like the companies and stuff. Uh, while I'm making this decision that's kind of shitty, I mean, that's my job, you know? I'm just a part of the system. And in some cases, you're legally obligated to do everything possible to benefit uh, your shareholders and whatnot. Uh, and you can be sued if you don't do that. So sure, it's like, 
based on my personal ethics, this is wrong, but I mean, I gotta do it, it's my job. And then, then you say to yourself at the end of the day, like, if I don't do this, then other people will do it. If I don't do this, my competitor will, will do it. Like, is there anything in business that you can't justify at the end of the day by saying, if I don't do this, my competitor will do it? It's like you can see all my complaining about reaction videos until the cows come home. And then you can watch me at, at the next day go, I mean, if, if I don't react to videos, then I'm just going to fall behind all the other people who are reacting to videos. Like, this is a part of the landscape of what's acceptable. While I don't think it's a very good thing just sitting there watching someone else's entire content and uploading it to YouTube, clearly I'm in the minority here. Yeah, obviously I have a pretty bleak view of the world. Hentai versus COVID. I saw an infographic, uh, or just a graphic, I suppose, on, um, on Reddit today. Google searches for hentai versus Google searches for the COVID-19 vaccine or something. And so it showed which countries Googled hentai more than, uh, more than the vaccine and uh, <laughs> hentai won in half the world or something. Goddamn. I didn't realize hentai was that popular, but apparently it is. I mean, is, is Japan the only country that makes hentai? No? Mostly? I have heard that... I mean, so watching Trash Taste, listening to um, those guys talk about um, their experiences in Japan and with Japanese co companies and whatnot, and it seems like a lot of Japanese com uh, companies have like a, a strict way of doing things, and they only really care about the Japanese market. Like, the rest of the world is an afterthought, despite the rest of the world being so much larger. And in their experience, they, like, these companies will be surprised they have an international audience or that the, they have international fans and stuff. Like, I wonder how much hentai is monetized globally. Because I, I mean, because, well, certainly there's a lot of regulations around adult advertising and stuff, which is going to be in my video um, that I'm making soon. I don't think I've ever seen such content advertised anywhere. Except through memes. Maybe Japan is producing a bunch of hentai memes, and that's how they're advertising it. Hentai is just a uh, sexual anime. It's not even called hentai in Japan. Yeah, I, I remember someone telling me that because hentai means pervert in Japanese. So I guess it'd just be called like adult anime in Japan. Advertising hentai memes, genius. Honestly, advertising anything via memes seems amazing. It's just meme marketing seems hard because it can't come off force. It's got to seem natural, you know. I wonder if uh, Grande, Dolan Duck or whatever, Dolan Dark, whatever the hell he calls himself, I wonder if he gets emails sometimes by, from shady companies being like, hey, I want you to make a meme about our products. <laughs> Ramble's Anthology. Excuse me. What? You don't watch every single Ramble I release? Wow. Understandable. <laughs> I mean, there's, some, there's some good stuff in those Rambles. Honestly. I wonder if one day... I'll release like a book. The best of matter rambles. What are they called? Where like um what's a, what's a collection of essays called? You know what I'm talking about? Um like the like you'd you'd look back at the writers and they would have like their books that they would wrap, but their books would also release which is a collection of their essays. Is it just, it's just called an, an anthology? Someone Google the word anthology. That sounds interesting. No, an anthology is just like a collection of your work. Oh, I guess to me that does apply. Anthology, a published collection of poems or other pieces of writing. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Once upon a time, they'd make an anthology of people's essays. And my speedrun rambles is basically that. It's, it's kind of a modern anthology, but of my streams. 
Clearly, I need to, uh, as they go back at some point and uh, organize my my rambles by topic, and it'll be like everything Dark Viper has said on X. You know, it'll be like best of and stuff. But I don't think the I don't think the rambles are good enough for that purpose, right? Because the the point of rambles is for them to be like just thrown up there, barely paid attention to kind of stuff. Because it's not like they're actual researched videos or whatever, right? They're meant to contain that that air of um. This is this is just my thoughts at the time. I try to give you my basis for why I believe as I do, but it's not like I'm uh, doing research and, and quoting uh, sources while I'm doing these rambles. It's impossible for me to do that. Like if I've made a dedicated video on something, you can guarantee I've looked up shit for that video. This current ramble is a real meta meta chapter. Yeah, I'm rambling about my rambles. I should sell the rambles thumbnail picture as an NFT. <laughs> Rambling about height. I'm 5'10", by the way. I think 5'9 is average male height or something. I'm slightly over that. As in no one meets me and is like, you're tall, but no one meets me and they're like, hey, you're short. You know, 5'6". Oh, well, it depends on your country, obviously. In my country, I think it's 5'9". 5'10 is average. Yeah, it's something around there. I think it, it, it just depends on the country. Now, 5'6 is women. But 20-year-old, yes, 5'9 is average in the US. Mm. And height matters, whether you think there's a causal relationship, yeah, it's a question that, but there's a correlation between being taller and having a success in business and whatnot. I mean, you can speculate why, you know, being taller, women find that more attractive on average. So maybe you, you feel more confident, you're more likely to pursue things in life, or maybe people view tall people as more trustworthy or something. People who happen to be tall also happen to have other good genes that are conducive to success or, you know, just being tall in general makes you feel confident because you tower over people. Who knows? But there's a correlation between being successful and being tall. Like uh, the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, like the, the, their average height is like 6'1 or something. You know, it's the only other fact I know about height is that Napoleon wasn't short. He was just average height for the time. But his enemies uh, spread propaganda that he was short. It was slightly under average height, actually. Okay, well then I'm wrong. Fine. You sure? I suppose about average height would be slightly under, wouldn't it? Someone Google it. What was Napoleon's height compared to the average height for a male at that time? He's 1.68. He was 5.7. And what was the average then? He's 5.6, 5.7. And what was the average? You keep using different units of fucking measurement, chat. Stick to one. 5.6 is average. So he was, about, he was average height. 5'5 five, five was the average? So he was average. Don't you fucking gaslight me. Wait, gas- like I used gaslighting wrong there, but don't you fucking lie to me. Napoleon was around 5'6, five, 5'7, five, and the average was 5'7. There you go. I was right. Suck it. When people use centimeters and millimeters instead of cheeseburgers and eagles, exactly. The percentage of people over 6 foot is 14.5% in the US, and the percentage for CEOs of Fortune 500 companies is 58% over 6 foot. Yeah, see? This is not, it's not, it's not, it's not just a correlation for Fortune 500 companies, it's a, just in general. If you're taller, you are, uh, well, people in higher positions in business tend to be uh, taller. It's funny though, the knowledge of that can lead to a self-fulfilling prophecy. As in, a person who's shorter than than six foot can be like, oh, what? It's harder for me to be successful? Oh, then I'm, I'm not gonna fucking bother. Or, 
people who are hiring or something can be like, well, you know, taller people are just better in business or whatever. Or uh, so I'm, I'm going to hire the taller person over the shorter person if that's the only thing I can decide on or whatever. It, it's just weird how the knowledge of a trend can itself reinforce a trend. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's not the best example of that, but that does seem to be a thing. As a trend's work, yeah, yeah, I, I, I just find that, I find, just find it funny. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.